You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Got questions about your hound's health? Need the facts on Fido's fitness or food? You want to unleash your pup's potential? Well, you've come to the right place because it's time to win with dogs. Here, we learn how easy it is to naturally improve the lives of our furry friends. So sit, stay, and get ready to win with dogs. With me, Raquel Wynn. Hello, listeners. You're listening to Pet Life Radio. Thanks for tuning in to my show, Win With Dogs. I'm your host, Raquel, and today I'm super excited about our topic. We are talking, of course, about dogs and their ability to help us get healthy, which is something true to my heart that I try to convey to all my human clients as well. Um, On today's show, we're going to be joined by Dr. Dawn Marcus, who's the author of numerous books and studies, and she's a a neurologist and professor at the University of Pittsburgh. She usually was working with chronic pain, or she normally works with chronic pain in patients, and she kind of decided to write a book called Fit as Fido that teaches humans how to follow their dog's lead to a healthier life. So Dawn is a proponent of eating, playing, sleeping, and socializing like a dog, as am I. (laughs) So I can't wait to get talking with her about this fabulous, fabulous book. I also want to talk to her a little bit about her work she's done with chronic pain and kind of how she came to form her perspective of health. I think that'll be fascinating. But first, we need to take a break. We will be right back, and we will talk fit as Fido with Dr. Don Marcus. Don't go away. Hey, don't you go anywhere. We'll be right back to Win With Dogs right after this quick water break. Hey, ready to take a walk? Not just you, but the whole family. It's the 2009 Whisker Walk, Sunday, June 7th from 11 to 3 at the Lancaster Fairground in Lancaster, Massachusetts. Pet owners and animal lovers walk to lend a paw to benefit the animal shelters and pet charities they love. Come see exhibits, demonstrations, educational programs, special attractions, product giveaways, entertainment, auctions, raffles, food, fun, and things for adults and kids to see, do, and buy, both human and pet-related. Whisker Walk 2009, a fun day for everyone. For more information, log on to whiskerwalk.org. Pets can be a wonderful addition to your life. Keeping them healthy and happy is important. Pet Life Radio presents The Pet Doctor with veterinary media consultant and veterinarian Dr. Bernadine Cruz. Whether you have a dog, cat, reptile, or rabbit, you'll find answers for your pets straight from the vets. The Pet Doctor, on demand every week, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Thanks for hanging around. We're back to Win With Dogs with me, Raquel Wynn, on Pet Life Radio. 
Welcome back. Thanks for sticking around. As I said before, we are talking about a great new book available to you called Fit as Fido, written by Dawn Marcus. She is a neurologist and a professor at the University of Pittsburgh, so I'm sure her perspective on the body is quite fascinating. Dawn, thank you so much for joining us. I'm grateful, grateful to have you with us today. Oh, well, thank you so much for inviting me. I'm thrilled to be speaking with you. Great. Okay, so I have to tell you, if I did not write this book myself, <laughs> I, I read over your book, and I'm like, oh my God, I should have written this book. I mean, it is so exactly what I think about health and what we can learn from animals. Your book is called Fit as Fido, and you talk about eating, playing, sleeping, and socializing like your dog to get to a healthier lifestyle. And one of the first things that we should talk about is just the flat-out health benefits of just owning a dog, having a dog in your presence. So, you know, you've done work with chronic pain, I understand, and helping people get healthy. Is, is suggesting owning a dog, does that play into part of your prescription of health? You know, it probably depends on, on the person, their lifestyle, you know, where they're living, if they're able to, ha- you know, have a dog or not. You know, luckily you can get health benefits of being around dogs even if you don't own one yourself. Which just is by great. walking with friends who have dogs or volunteering, yeah. you know, at a dog shelter and, and getting some of those benefits. But it's remarkable how much medical research has been done looking at um, the positive relationship that happens with people when they are around dogs and when they do have dogs in their lives. And, you know, all the different health benefits that people can gain, not just a matter of, well, I have to go out and walk the dog so I'm walking a bit more, but, Mm -hmm. um, you know, people gain a lot of health benefits from having a dog in their life. And that's, you know, really one of the things the book talks about. I love that your book has so many studies and research um, quoted because I, I find that really fascinating. All of the work that we have done, like dogs lower your heart rate, just being around them, they decrease your blood pressure, they help you with your stress response, and all kinds of things, just like she's saying, Dawn's saying, just being around a dog. And one thing I was noticing in your book is I love dogs because they always want to participate in our every endeavor. They're like going for it. They want to see life through the eyes of a human almost, I think. <laughs> and mm-hmm. you mentioned that you find dogs have this air of contentment and peace. And I know for me, I'm always seeking peace in my life. And is this something, the fact that dogs temperament is like this, is this something that just led you to realize you could talk to humans through dogs essentially and write this book? You know, you reaching out to dogs and humans, and you're basically saying the same message for both of them, right? Right. And it's interesting, um, you know, when I first got um, my first Wheaton Terrier, we were doing a lot of traveling with my sons who were going on um, trips with their, their school sporting events. And, you know, there was always scheduling conflicts and chaos and weather issues, and you're going to a hotel here and then quickly getting to a race there. And all of the humans would be getting all frazzled. And the dog is like, hey, it's raining today. That's okay. We're here. We're enjoying each other. You know, we could be in the north, the south. We could be in the city and the country. It could be hot and humid. It could be, you know, cold and dry. He really doesn't care, and he just sort of takes things as they come and really seems to revel in you know, being alive and all of the wonderful things that are happening in our lives all of the time. And so it was very interesting for me to look at the dog and say, wow, you know, we're stressing about all of these things, but the dog really looks at it in a very different way and is able to approach life 
you know, I think with a better attitude often than we come at, you know, with, with our human attitude. Yeah. I totally agree. And, you know, I'm fascinated that you work with humans and you also kind of translate it to the dogs. I do the same thing. I work with humans, but I also work with dogs. And you're talking about their temperament being and just their demeanor being always at peace. And I always tell people to try to lead with the spirit when we're leading with the body and in the ego and worried about earth stuff. I mean, you know, we are the stress beings. Our earth suits on way too tight, as I say. But when you lead with the spirit, you're thinking, oh, wow, the flowers are beautiful. I don't care if I'm late for this appointment. Look right. at the weather. Dogs are totally in the spirit. And this leads me to an, an interesting point that you talk about in your book, and that's treating pain and our conditions of health in a more holistic approach. And your temperament is one of the factors of holism that you know is very vital to your health and can you explain to people what you come from a background in conventional medicine yet you see holism as totally valid and the two can you know blend together beautifully which I advocate always coupling conventional and alternative medicine but what is this holistic approach what is it you know what does that even mean for people who aren't familiar with that you know I think if, if you know I really started looking at this, you know, when I started taking care of patients and going through medical school, we really focus on, you know, what is the physiology, what is the biology, you know, what are the, the treatments that you can give to patients, which are usually, you know, some medication or some physical sort of, um, you know, correction that, that you're implementing. But then when you try to actually apply that to a patient, it really becomes very clear that just giving someone a pill makes such a minimal impact in their lives. You know, the disease itself is just such a small part of that whole person. So you mm -hmm. can't really treat the person, you know, as the disease. You need to take care of, you know, the whole patient. I think the best lesson that I was ever taught is when you first met with a patient, the way that we're taught to ask patients, you know, what's going on with your health is when you first go in, you ask them about, you know, what's their disease state, what, you know, symptoms are they there for. And one of the first doctors I worked with said, that is not the way to go talk to a patient. Go into the patient and say, you know, hi, what do you do? Who do you live with? What's your family like? What are your hobbies? And until you know all of those things, there is no point in talking about symptoms or diseases. And at first we said, this guy is a nut. But, you know, he would not let us tell him about any patient symptoms until, you know, he got to know the person, which meant we got to know patients. And Having, you guys all thought he was a nut. That's hilarious to me. But he was oh, a genius. We all, <laughs> we all thought he was crazy. And then, of course, you know, when I then was no longer a trainee and students mm -hmm. would come to me and start telling me about Mr. Smith and his gallbladder, this and that, or... Um, you know, whatever health problem it was. And I would just sit there and say, I, don't, I can't even picture this person. You know, who are yeah. they? Do they have kids? <laughs> what do they do? And I would get the rolling of the eyes of, you know, the junior people as well. And I think that's really, you know, what a dog does. When the dog comes to meet the person, like they don't really care, you know, about specific symptoms or disease conditions. They just want to sort of meet and know the whole you. And they're so yeah. fascinated by everything about you. Um, rather than just let's you know just the facts, ma'am. Let me quickly you know get yeah. this out of the way. Um, yeah, that's true. It's just, yeah, I mean, I think you know, in, in treating patients, in order for them to get better, you know, if you give the pill, you you may get a teeny weeny improvement, but if you can really look at 
okay, we need to see what's going on in your home, what's going on in your life, what's going on with your kids, you know, how are you sleeping, how are you all eating, you know, what are you doing for exercise, then you can really make big impacts in people's lives. And those are the impacts that are really going to move them toward better health rather than, well, let's just up the dose of your blood pressure medication, which just does, you know, very, very little for people. Yeah, totally. And I... I, in my book, I talk a lot about, um, you know, keeping up with your dog's health. And the same, like you're saying, applies with human health. Unfortunately, in our culture, we kind of want a quick fix and, you know, popping a pill and just avoiding taking accountability is really attractive. But as you're saying, you know, look at, use your dog to help you break those patterns. I mean, look at what your, how your dog is living. And actually, you can tell a lot about a human where they're at health-wise by the behavior of their dog. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? So if, if you're not doing well, it great for your pup, he's going to act up. Yeah, you know, one of the favorite studies that I read um, talked about looking at obesity in dogs, which unfortunately mirrors human obesity, which is not totally. a big surprise. And they, the researchers investigated what was it that was different about the dogs that became obese versus those who are not obese. Now, on one hand, you know, you know those dogs are exercising less and eating more and all of that. But what they really found was that the dogs who became obese were the dogs that were treated like humans. And they called them the humanized dogs. So that when they were treated like, um, you know, a little human person rather than being treated like a dog. Um, yeah. And it's funny because we always think, oh, if we treated them like a person, that's better. And so, you know, what the book is all about is sort of taking the flip side of that and saying, how about if we treat ourselves like a dog, then we'll actually begin to have all of those healthy lifestyle habits that the dogs instinctively know and they need to do and they do and we avoid. So if we become less humanized in our behaviors, more dog-like, then we can actually become much healthier like those healthy dogs are. Yeah, and that's called anthropomorphism, when you assign human characteristics to something that is not. So we want to keep our dogs, our dogs, and funny you should mention that, and I want to talk about eating like a dog, and it's funny because my husband and I are vegetarians, and we have dogs, and our dogs are eating a lot of great fresh vegetables, I cook them, Mm -hmm. but I know they need to eat meat, you know, and their teeth, for one thing, when I give my dogs raw marrow bones to chew on, their teeth, it's not even an issue, so here, you're right, You, you, we have to keep in mind that our dogs are, in fact, dogs, and what can we learn from them, which is what I love about your book, let's talk about eating like a dog and you mentioned obesity we know that one in five dogs are obese in this country and that's the main cause for you know crippling orthopedic issues and arthritis and depression etc and eating eating like a dog I love in your book you have stuff on portion control having regular feeding times you have great recipes in there and one of the things I loved is you you broke down, you had like almonds and you'll list their health benefit. Oatmeal, you'll list the health benefit. And I have a question for you. Is your, do you think that dogs get the same health benefits from eating some foods like that, like oats and walnuts and blueberries and such? I don't know that that's ever actually been looked at. I'll, I'll, I, would, I would have to... Um It has. (laughs) There's so many people, though. There's so many different views. You know what I mean? Some people raw diet, cook for your dog. But, yeah, there are. But I'm curious what, yeah, what is that chapter? What's the main thing you want known about that chapter in your book? 
Um, yeah, I think you you know you covered a lot of the information that's in there. And, and again, I think if you know if we take the idea of eating like a dog, um, you know, one of the things that you'll notice a dog does is a dog does not eat as a stress reliever or when it's bored. And I now have two dogs, but when I just had the one, um, I would often just have food in his bowl for him, and he could eat whenever he wanted to eat. And if he would be bored, um, you know, and I was spending too much time at the computer and, you know, had missed a walk or something, you know, he may go over to the food dish and sniff it, and then he'll walk away and looks for a toy to play with or comes over to sort of engage me to, come on, let's go out and walk. Whereas we humans tend to do the opposite. It's, you know, we're sitting there, well, we're watching a really boring show on TV. So we could get up off the sofa and start exercising, but instead we'll say, well, I'm bored. Let me grab, you know, a box of chocolates and just start sucking them down, which yeah. our dogs would never do that. They don't treat boredom. They don't treat stress, <laughs> right, by, you know, <laughs> rummaging through the treat bag and, and grabbing all kinds of things. Um, no, they don't. And, you know, that's so true is I say to people all the time, it's consistency, and if you're tired, the catch-22 is exercise really relieves that boredom and gives you energy, so you've got to get past thinking, oh, I'm too tired to do it, I just want to sit here, you know, and not do anything, because that is not good for your neurological right. system, doctor. <laughs> yeah. Hey, what about yeah. water? How important is that for people? Yeah, More important is, than food. Yeah, water is very important. And it's interesting. Most people tend to keep themselves fairly dehydrated. And I think some people do that because they think, you know, that's a good weight reduction method, which it clearly is not. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and on one hand, we all know we should be drinking our 8 to, to 10 cups of, of water every day, which very few people, unfortunately, do. Um, but, you know, with our dog, you would never think of just, you know, limiting his water. Well, I'll, I'll give him a, you know, dish of water in the morning, and if he drinks a few sips, I'm going to put it away, and he's not going to drink again until the end of the day, or, you know, don't drink because it's too close to bedtime or all of those things. Yeah. Um, so, you know, dogs, I think we do a really good job about making sure that wherever they are, you know, if we're outside in the summer, we make sure there's a big water dish outside that's always full of fresh water for yeah. the dog. But we'll be sitting outside sweating and not drinking. Um, yeah. You know, and if, you, if your dog's drinking outside, you probably need to be drinking too. <laughs> um, you know, one of, I actually in my little pocketbook, it, I, um, I'm not a big pocketbook lover, so it just has my, my driver's license, a couple credit cards, as a pouch for dog treats. And yeah. then I have a, um, a little collapsible water dish, you know, that I keep in there for the dog. And so when we're out walking, you know, I have the water bottle for myself and then can fill up, you know, the, the dish for the dog. And I actually have done a much better job making myself hydrated because, you know, I feel guilty not having water for the dog. So I'll say, oh, I'm sure he's thirsty. Well, while he's drinking his portion, let me drink too. That way at least I'm keeping myself self better hydrated. Yeah, which I and should water. have known about before, but Hey, we all it's a long laundry list for our bodies, so <laughs> just yeah. keep adding as we go. That's my motto. And water, uh -huh. you know, a lot of times we feel hungry when we're really just thirsty. So that's a great weight loss tip. And also right. Food, you can live for weeks without food, but you can only live days without water. So water clearly is the most important thing. And also, Don, super funny, you said you feel guilty not having water for the dog, but you yourself can just let it go. And I think I've heard from vets and such that talking to the owners about their pets being obese, you know, the, the owners start really kind of listening for themselves. It's almost like, 
it's not quite so close. So you can make right. improvements because you're kind of, you have the uh, middleman, your pup. <laughs> right. Well, that's fascinating. Okay, we, uh, we need to take a quick break again. And then when we come back, I want to talk about um, playing like a dog and the importance of movement, which is so, so important. I cannot stress enough. I always say movement is what helps the body heal. Movement is the catalyst for healing. So stay there. And we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back in just a second. Hey, don't you go anywhere. We'll be right back to Win With Dogs right after this quick water break. Welcome to Pet Planet. Here's a copy of Pet Planet Magazine, Florida's most informative and fun pet resource magazine. It features heartwarming stories and informative articles from local and national pet experts. Excellent. Pet Planet Magazine offers Operation Planet Rescue, helping rescued pets find new homes. And it's available at 500 locations in South and Central Florida and 24-7 on the Internet at PetPlanetMagazine.com. If you're out and about with your pet, you may be featured in paparazzi, candid pictures of you and your pet. For up-to-date pet-friendly events, activities, and pet-related services and products, Pet Planet Magazine is your final destination. I shall take this magazine home with me. Back to your home planet? No, to my condo in Boca. Pet Planet Magazine. Check them out at www.petplanetmagazine.com or 352-394-8578. It's out of this world. When you're looking to add a pet into your life, consider adopting a homeless animal from your local shelter or rescue group. Whether you want a kitten, puppy, or a more mature pet, a purebred or a -a one-of-a-kind mixed breed, even a rabbit or hamster, your shelter has the best selection of animals anywhere, all screened for good health and behavior. PetLifeRadio.com presents Take Me Home with your host, Susan Daffron. Join us each week as we showcase wonderful pets, tell stories, and even throw some pet education into the mix. So get ready to find out why the pet adoption option can be a great way to add a furry companion into your life. Take me home every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Thanks for hanging around. We're back to Win With Dogs with me, Raquel Wynn, on Pet Life Radio. Thanks for staying with us. We're talking to Don Marcus, author of Fit is Fido, a fascinating new book available at Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, or you can go on her websites. Don, what websites can people go to to get your book? You can visit my website, which is um, www.fitasfido.com. Um, mm-hmm. You can also get it online through Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Okay, great. And so we've talked about eating like a dog, the importance of just staying hydrated, eating smaller portions, not eating when you're bored. In fact, go out for a walk instead. What about playing like a dog? What can we learn about and gain from playing like a dog? 
Yeah, it's interesting. You had mentioned before the break the importance of movement. And one of the early lectures that we had developed for our chronic pain patients talked about why it's so essential for them to move their joints and muscles and use the joints and muscles. And we talk about um, studies that show, you know, when you don't move, you're actually not protecting yourself from injury, but you're making yourself more prone to injury and people actually develop more, more pain problems. And for folks who don't have pain, if you've had a couple of days where you've had you know, the flu or a stomach virus and you just lay in bed and haven't moved around, the couple of days later when you get up and try to move, it's so, so sore and stiff and it really hurts to do that. So it's important for us to remember you know, the, the body was really designed for the muscles and joints to be used on a regular and consistent basis. And not doing that you know, leads to a whole, whole host of health problems. Our dogs seem to sort of instinctively know that. Um, and and do a great job about making sure that play is a really important part of their day. It's not an option or, you know, maybe if there's nothing else to do, I might go out for a walk. It's just sort of expected that this is, you know, a really important part of my day that needs to be a part of my owner's day too. Yeah, and, you know, talking about pain in the body and people always say, well, why is that? Why wouldn't my body let me move? And we know that the body overcorrects and overprotects. So whereas you will be restricted with inflammation and lack of range of motion at, an, at a site that your body is worried about, there might be pain there, your body is actually going to try to inhibit movement. But we know now, even getting knee replacements, hip replacements, any kind of surgery, they literally, the next day, you are rehabbing and moving that joint. So it's super important to move. And I'm going to interject my own book here and to stretch your dog and move your dog too because a lot of um, people, unfortunately, do not get outside with their dogs enough. And I am not advocating this at all, but... It's still possible to hydrate your dog's joints with simple range of motion techniques on that dog, but they definitely need to play. Are there tons of studies about people's health improving from, you know, just a little bit of exercise? Isn't it like two 30-minute walks a week, like lengthens your life by like a couple years? Something astounding like that. It's the consistency of it, is it not, versus the intensity of it? Yes, it's actually interesting how little... It's actually interesting and frightening how little people actually exercise. In the U.S., they've done surveys to see, you know, how much exercise do people do. And in an average week, only one in every five adults actually does exercise. Um, the average person has about five hours of leisure time a day. They spend two and a half hours watching TV and only about 15 minutes actually exercising. So it really is, um, you know, a lot of of time that could be done exercising, you know, people really are not exercising. And I think part of it is people really think that in order to get good health benefits, you need to be in like an aerobics class or really, you know, sweating up a storm. And you need to commit, you know, 45 minutes to an hour for a session. And there's been some really neat studies done that looked at, you know, what are the benefits from even simple things like dog walking or walking in general. And one of my favorite studies Um, divided two groups of sedentary women into exercises. And both of them were told they needed to exercise about 45 minutes for five days a week. And one group was told that they had to do all of the exercise in a single session. And the other group was told that they could not do a single session of exercise, but had to break it up into like 10 or 15-minute exercise segments people who were doing the 10 or 15 minute segments actually ended up doing longer periods of exercise total 
than the ones doing the, you know, the, the single 45-minute session. So if to get health benefits from exercise or from walking, you really need to do about 30 minutes, five days a week, which is great if you have a dog because you can break that up into three 10-minute walks one day, Another day you can go to the park and walk for half an hour or hike in the woods for half an hour with your dog. But you really don't have to condense it all into just a single, you know, big exercise session where you're, you know, ending up, oh, I'm sweating to death and now I have to yeah, go and totally. shower, et cetera. You, know, you can get good health benefits from, you know, just walking the dog is just a you know, great exercise and the dog is such a good way to motivate you to what's raining, do I really want to go out? You know, does Fluffy want to go? Well, Fluffy <laughs> definitely does, so maybe Fluffy I'll go needs too. a raincoat and you need an umbrella and go for it. <laughs> That's right. Oh, yes. my we've, we've always had little raincoats for my dog, and everyone always chuckles at the raincoat, but... Um, I love the you know, picture of Weedy in his raincoat in your book. It's so yeah, cute. Yeah, Weedy Terriers have very unusual hair. It's like a little Swiffer that he just picks up any dirt that's in the vicinity. Yeah. So the raincoat is great because when he's out and it's raining, which it often is in Pittsburgh, you know, the dirt and mud just adheres to his whole body. Aww, um, and buddy. the raincoat is actually a great way to keep him so he's mainly dirt-free and just, you know, I just have to wash it off his feet. So, again, it's not a good excuse of, oh, I don't want to go. I'll have yeah, to do a whole totally. bath when we get home. Yeah, so the, the raincoats for you and your dog is, is always good. <laughs> it, it's helpful. <laughs> and I think dogs like to be out in weather. I like to be out in weather. Think of when you were younger and less concerned about getting wet. I mean, it was awesome fun to play in the rain, you know. But I, I love that you're saying I started as a personal trainer. So one of my um, challenges was getting people to do their cardio and to realize that, you know, exercise, like you're saying, doesn't mean I can't talk, I'm sweating bullets and it's hours long, hour long endeavor. It could be simply moving 10 minutes, do some, you know, go for a walk around the block, do some yoga poses, do anything, move, 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 move. One of the guys I talk about in the book that could be a good cue of whether you're exercising enough or not, because on one hand, you could go out for a walk, but really get very little benefit from that because you're barely moving. Yeah. Um, you know, when you're, when you're out walking, if you're a still able to chat, you know, with your dog or with a friend, um, but you're not able to sing, then that's yeah. a good, a good um, gauge that, you know, you're, in, you're exercising at a high enough level to be getting health benefits. If, you know, you can't sing, you know, you, you probably don't need to exercise so hard, and if you want to, that's great, but, you know, you could cut it back and you don't have to be, you know, so out of breath. But on the other hand, you know, you really don't want to be so much that, you know, it, it's just, just too slow and, and you're really underpacing yourself. I totally agree. I love that analogy. If you can talk, good. If you can, can't can sing or, you know, can't sing, that's good. Right. If you can sing, you need to speed up. If you can't and sing, if, wait. Yes, and, if, and I'm not a good singer, so you don't want me singing when I'm walking. So that's always a good guy well, to say. If you can sing, please stop it and, and pick up that pace. Yeah, and I also like to say, you know, just break a sweat because also what we're doing with any kind of movement is you're increasing your body's core temperature, which really kills a bunch of bad bacteria in the body. It's like inducing a little mini fever that right. really 
burn stuff up. So that's great. So I'm trying. I'm getting confused trying to tell this to people. So you don't want to be able to sing, but you want to be able to talk. Right. Got it. So I love you that. should be able to. You know, like if you were walking with another person, you should be able to carry on a conversation. I personally enjoy talking with my dog. Because he thinks everything hey, I say so is just I. brilliant, and you'll yes. look up at me with those adoring <laughs> eyes. So, and it's great because if you like talking to yourself, as I do, if you have the dog there, people don't think you're so weird. Um, but you know, so you should be able to carry on that conversation. But if you're able to sing, you really need to pick up the pace. Cool. I love that idea. And if you hate to go faster, try throwing some intervals in. Jog for like 20 steps and then start walking again. Anything to just up your heart rate a little bit. Okay. Right. Last last chapter or last little segment I'm going to talk about is sleeping like a dog. Um, and we before we totally get on this tangent, again, she says socializing like a dog is equally important as eating, playing, and sleeping. But I don't know if we're going to have enough time to get to all that. Okay. But let's talk about sleeping and the importance of rest. So important. And most of the time, people will never let themselves rest. I mean, if you're getting sick, sleep for a day. You're usually better. Right? right. Look at your dogs. How do they, how can we learn from them in the sleeping department? Yeah, we definitely underestimate the importance of sleep. And unfortunately, if you have poor sleep, your risk for a lot of medical conditions like obesity, diabetes, heart disease, infections, high blood pressure, and even migraine headaches increases. So having poor sleep does tend to make you much less healthy and much more prone to developing other health problems. Um, most people actually don't get enough sleep. For the average adult, you should be sleeping seven to nine hours a night, with, which when they've done national surveys, the average person sleeps about six and a half hours a night. So most people are under that, you know, that limit every single night. They've also yeah. shown that you can't really catch up sleep. So if you say, well, during the week I'm too busy, I'll sleep in on the weekend and catch oh, up. Oh, that's interesting. You really don't catch up from a health benefit point of view. So trying to, you know, get enough hours on three days of the week to make up for the other four really is not a healthy behavior and should be discouraged. Now, what our dogs do if there's a sleep deficit is they take a nap in the afternoon. And you mm-hmm. see people looking at the dog lying on the floor saying, oh, the lazy dog, it must be nice. You know, some <laughs> of us have to work around here and you're just yeah. laying there. But actually, um, they've done research studies to see, you know, is napping a good thing or not? And actually, just like your mother always told you to take a nap in the afternoon, there's actually a lot of medical science that shows that napping can really be good for your health and a really good way to fill in those sleep gaps if you're not able to schedule in you know, seven to nine hours of sleep at night. Yeah, that's super important. And my 92-year-old grandfather takes a nap every day. So, And he gets on the treadmill and walks like five minutes every night before he goes to uh-huh. bed, which is weird. But, you know, hey. That's a, that's yeah, actually, <laughs> doing some exercise before bed can be a great way to help get you ready for bed. Um, a lot of times people will do like some relaxation techniques and some stretching mm-hmm. exercises before bed. And it's a really nice way to sort of wind down you know, get your, your brain thinking about other things, even, you know, something like a little bit of walking, like even taking the dog out for a walk, you know, is a nice way to just sort of divorce yourself from all the stresses of the day and say, okay, I'm now getting ready for bed. You know, this is an important part of the day. I'm not wasting time by sleeping. 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, and, and so clearly, you know, he's, he's found good things to do. They've actually done a study that showed that by taking a half an hour um, nap in the afternoon, you can decrease your risk of dying from heart disease by about 37%. So wow. clearly, you know, there's a lot of good health benefits from napping. And I, I think part of the reason napping is so important is because we're really not doing a good job making sure we're getting enough sleep. Um, on a daily basis by scheduling enough sleep at night time. Yeah, so just zap, yeah, getting a little break in the middle of the day is a great de-stressor for sure. Right. Absolutely. So, okay, in lieu of Ambien, <laughs> for those who say they cannot sleep, you know, are there any other things that you can do naturally to kind of make sure that your sleep isn't disturbed or just to get you in some good sleep? Yeah, there are a lot of, of healthy things that one can do to improve sleep. Um, it's important, like your dog, that you set, set up a nice sleeping den. Um, the bedroom should you know, have a nice, firm, comfy mattress for you and really be used for sleeping and for you know, spending time with your significant other, and that's really it. There shouldn't be the TV in there or other yeah. distractions to really keep you from sleeping. Even the, like, the LED lights, they say, on alarm clocks, that can even you know, trigger the brain to wake up, that light, even with your eyelids closed. So she's right. We shouldn't have lots of electronic-y stuff going on in the bedroom at all. Continue. Sorry to interrupt. <laughs> right. The, the other thing of, um, which I was going to mention is a perfect segue into that is with lighting. And I do a lot of camping and backpacking. And um, when my kids were little, you know, they would be out camping and backpacking with us. And when it would start to get dark, they'd always say, oh, what time it is? And we'd say, oh, it's midnight. And they'd say, oh, I guess it's time for bed. And it could be 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock, but it would be dark and you would feel tired. You would go to bed, you would sleep, and then the sun would come up in the morning and you would get up. And it's very easy to get on a good sleeping schedule when you're out camping because you have that you know, nighttime that's letting your body know it's sleeping time. In our homes, unfortunately, we tend to have lots of bright lights on up until it's time to go to bed. So it's bright lights, bright lights, oh, suddenly I'm supposed to be asleep. So what can be real helpful is about an hour or an hour and a half before you plan to go to sleep, start dimming the lights in the house so that your body gets a sense of, oh, I I need to be getting ready for sleep. My brain needs to be winding down. Sleep should be starting. And then by the same token, when the morning comes, if you're able to keep your room dark and then about half an hour before you expect to get up rather than just having the alarm clock blaring to get you out of bed, (laughs) um, if you're able to set a timer so that your lights are able to slowly start coming up so that you're waking up and, again, your body is is sensing that the environment's changing, it's time to start getting ready to rise and start your day, and that way it can be easier for you to get into a good sleep pattern because you're using you know, your body's um, natural way of identifying is it sleep time or is it rise time rather than looking at the clock and saying, oh, it's, it's 10 o'clock, let me turn these bright lights off and suddenly yeah. I'm supposed to be ready for sleep. Yeah, totally. And being on a diurnal schedule where you're awake with the sun and sleeping at night is actually the healthiest physiological cycle to be in. So... We definitely want to pay attention to that. So, unfortunately, we are out of time. I mean, we could talk for hours longer. As I said, 
I mean, I wish I wrote this book. It's everything I tell people all the time. So thank you, Don. Well, I'm glad for... I beat you to the punch. <laughs> I know. Hey, plenty more to write about. Trust me. <laughs> but I'm so glad that you took time out to talk with us. And for those of you out there who want to boost in your own health life, Fit as Fido is a great book to help you get prompted into a healthy lifestyle it'll also improve your pet parent bond and like i said you know we just are trying to get knowledge and get as many tools in our health tool belt as we can so this is another great addition we thank you so much dawn for being with us and for all you listening thank you for listening to pet life radio i'm raquel thank you mark for having me sound fabulous and i say go win with dogs Thanks. Until next time, have a great day. Exercise, nutrition, interaction, and love make for one healthy, happy hound. Give yourself the gift of knowledge on demand every week right here at Pet Life Radio with me, Raquel Wynn, and Win with Dogs.